right, let me just... Come on. Oh. How about I just hum it? There it is. I think that was closer to Mortal Kombat than Batman Beyond. It wasn't. Let's... See? I should just leave it like this. (laughs) (laughs) I am. (laughs) Screw it. I want to play Destiny. (laughs) You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. I should just bring in the dogs as well. All of the noise. Tell my wife to call. Actually, I don't have to tell her. She will. <laughs> well, hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 184 of the Comic Book Informer podcast, coming to you on September 9th. This is Vince, and we have a special treat because Roger stopped playing video games long enough to actually do the podcast. I was 15 minutes late. Cut me some slack. And in my defense... You were 15 <laughs> minutes late for a 30-minute podcast. <laughs> In my defense, (laughs) A, Destiny is awesome, (laughs) and and B, I thought you were ignoring me, (laughs) which kind of, you know, depressed the hell out of me. Why would I want to record a podcast with somebody who clearly is ignoring me? And C, we have a clock in the living room that is a pain in the ass to open up and to change the time, and when... Daylight savings change? I never bothered changing. <laughs> so it's actually an hour behind. <laughs> we just tack on an hour. And I clearly forgot to do that. I thought it was quite oh, pretty soon time. you'll catch up. Yeah, really. I why at this point, why bother? Is what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Well, this week's discussion, this is another one of those weeks where I've been recommending a book to Roger and he hasn't been reading it, so now I'm making him. <laughs> Uh, I'm hoping that this one has fared a little better because we're catching up on X-Force. We talked about the first issue forever ago when it first came out, and uh, we both enjoyed it and thought it had some potential for some fun stories with those characters. So we're looking at issues uh, two through seven this week. Uh, Issue eight actually did already come out, but that's the start of a new storyline, so I figured seven was a good cutoff point. So how have you liked what you've been missing? Oh, this is fantastic. This is... I, but I mean, we like Spurrier's work, like really like his work. So, and the characters as well, for the most part, we've liked in like the prior, when we've seen them together kind of thing, except for the new chick who's awesome. <laughs> and so I, I mean, he's actually making Cable interesting. That's, that's pretty cool. That's good <laughs> That good is on like you. the heaviest lifting job in the history of comics. Yeah. So, no, I really, really have been enjoying this actually quite a bit. All right. So, as we said, it's written by Cy Spurrier. Art has alternated so far between Rocky Kim and Jorge Molina. And as fantastic as the two artists are on their own, doesn't really mesh well when you're jumping from one art style to the other. No. I love them both. I would love them on different books, but putting those two artists on the same book is just too much of a style clash for me. I I won't disagree. 
So as we established uh, for the first issue, the team consists of Cable, Psylocke, Phantom X, Dr. Nemesis, and Marrow, and another one of those nebulous doing the things that the mutant community either can't or won't sort of missions that has basically been Cable's mantra for 20-some years now. And at the end of the first issue, they introduced the new team member, Meme, who I absolutely love. I think it's more meme than meme. Because it's capital. I'm, I'm in not the middle. getting into this it is. argument. It's me, 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 me. It varies. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you said you didn't want to get into it, so shut up. <laughs> I know, and I'm, I'm giving myself a second to not get into it. All right. <laughs> It, the way this comic is structured is actually really interesting to me because there's this overarching narrative of Cable and the team wanting to track down the person responsible for this explosion at a conference in somewhere, Alexandria. I forget exactly where Alexandria is, but it, for all intents and purposes, it doesn't really matter. And they end up going through various steps to find this guy. We find out he's an arms dealer who specializes in uh, weaponized superhumans. But what's really cool about this is oh, as this overarching story is playing out, they're really setting it up so that each individual issue really focuses on one of the members of the team. And it allows them to get some really strong character development while driving forward the overarching plot at the same time. And I think that's fantastically handled. Well, not just that, but it's in doing these these issues that concentrate on the the individuals it also is then showing what their relationship is to the rest of the team members and i mean that's again that's a tricky thing to do because in some cases when when writers do that they forget that they're still spotlighting a character and it winds up being just a regular old quote unquote team issue whereas with these what we've seen is it's very much from a person's perspective and their interactions with the team to the point where when you're getting the the issues with oh, damn it what's her name Meryl um, early on and she's doing that monologuing that psychotic monologuing and then later on in in another issue when Psylocke is talking not talking but psychically talking with Cable and she's saying how Meryl's losing it and he's saying like is she doing that baby baby thing <laughs> and she's going yeah so you're seeing how. It, it works its way back around where, you know, that interaction she had with the team, they're talking about it later on. It's, it's again, it's it's really, really good writing. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I'll throw out the requisite uh, spoiler alert because the way that they unveil that thing with Marrow, finding out how – because they, they teased that for several issues of giving us those little bits. And it's, again, one of those well-written things that once it's finally revealed, it kind of brings everything together and it – puts a lot of things in a new light with uh, Dr. Nemesis saying, you know, she's not even a mutant anymore, but she has her powers back. We find out that the baby baby that she's talking to was her actual baby that she lost in the uh, experiment. At that point, I was like, we've seen things like this a number of times. But then when they also later established that she knew she was pregnant and she knew that going through the procedure would cause her to lose the baby – that just adds an extra wrinkle on top of it that, it that then it does become more dramatic instead of just simply a, a character trope we've seen a whole bunch of times before. Yeah, well, it's essentially the, again, the person with amnesia that later finds out they really weren't that nice person to begin with. And so 
she's finding out that she, I mean, it's fairly serious, obviously. So that's makes sense why she would be beating herself up about it. And how creepy was her little bonding moment with uh, Dr. Nemesis? Yeah. <laughs> Nemesis <laughs> is great in this too, though. We see this so often in comics with certain characters, you know, Nemesis, Beast, uh, Mr. Fantastic, usually like the, the, the smarter ones who have this crippling addiction to coffee. And I always notice that it tends to follow certain writers who sort of have the same disability <laughs> themselves, if you will. Because if you follow some of these comic writers on Twitter, they are useless before their first two or three pots. <laughs> but some of the other character stuff, like, like we've seen with Psylocke, we've seen a lot of development of, of Psylocke over the years. And we've seen, going back to Uncanny X-Force, Revenders Uncanny X-Force, how her character just continued to become darker and edgier after Warren died. The Fast forward to the future, saw what she was going through there. And we still see more of that here where she's at least on the surface pretending to try to become a better person, but she's fully aware that there is a side to her that, again, she says she doesn't like, and yet at the same time, she just keeps slipping and falling into these murderous rages, if you will. And I love how they said, you know, they made it look like she was going through and killing these people so that other people wouldn't have to, kind of like a heroic sacrifice, but then at the same time turning it around and going, no, she she likes part of it. I, I don't know what they're doing with Psylocke, but I'm really interested in seeing it. Scenes like that are that much more powerful because Spurrier is also walking this really fine line of comedy in the the series as well. I mean, between Psylocke and Meryl but especially between Psylocke and Phantom X. Oh my God. We're getting a lot of really funny bits. And at points, Psylocke is, well, not at points, always the straight man to, to Phantom X. And it, it's, there's a few points where it's, it's almost a little too much, especially with the way that he's doing Phantom X, which I'm not completely on board with. Like I'm enjoying it and all that, but it's not, it's not as good as the other characters, let's just say that. Mm-hmm. And so, but then you get these these other issues with with Psylocke where it's like like a foot pressing down on your chest it, that it's so well done. Yeah. And touching on that Phantom X, I loved that Phantom X spotlight issue, if you will, because they actually made a Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> they even titled it Le Pew and he's chasing after a cat woman. Like yeah. they, they, it, it was about as subtle as a sledgehammer, but it was still hilarious where he's having this psychological breakdown because as they establish, he wasn't so much born and grew up as he was programmed by the weapon plus program. I think he's weapon 12 off the top of my head, 14, somewhere around there. And he is psychologically incapable of believing he's not the best at anything. So now that he's on this team full of experts, many of them are better than him at a lot of things. And he's just having this absolute breakdown while he's running through France, I guess they were. It's it's hilarious. This is where Molina's art was fantastic. And at the same time, it's giving him character development because we see that popping up again, issue to issue, where Dr. Nemesis tells him he needs the best shot on the team and he's flat out plants a kiss on him. him. Yeah. 
but how he reconciles it with himself, and we're going to come back around to this in a little bit, is that he decides, well, if I can't actually be the best, I'll just have to kill everyone that's better than me. So you have this comedic character, but you know he has, again, this dark side inside that is going to come out at some point, and boy, does it. And see, I I don't have necessarily as much... Um, experience or, or knowledge of the characters as maybe you do. I don't know how much you've read of him. So He actually wasn't in a whole heck of a lot before Uncanny X-Force. Like Grant Morrison used him in New X-Men a few issues here and there, but Uncanny X-Force is really what brought the character to another level. Okay. Cause, yeah, because Reminder's work on him was fantastic. Like I really enjoyed what Reminder did with him. And this is, I don't know, it's, I'm finding that is making a farce of the character and this idea of killing anybody who's better than you just kind of doesn't make sense to me, which is saying a lot when it's a comic. I know, I know, but it's still, it's, I don't know. It's not, I'm not enjoying that aspect as much as, as you are. No, I, I'll agree that he's probably the weakest member of the cast right now, but I mean, that's by no means saying he's bad. It's just somebody has to be at the bottom of the list. I don't know. Yeah, I but just that look at it cable. as somebody who's, you know, remember his brain was basically split into three pieces. So, I mean, he's been through a lot and it's at least an interesting way to handle what the character is going through. I don't honestly know what I would do different. Like, I don't know what, I, yeah. if, but I'm okay with this particular development. Yeah. Well, it's going to be fun to see the interactions between him and everybody for sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm on board for that. And then, oh boy, Cable. <laughs> what we find out is going on with Cable that him and Hope were at Alexandria when everything blew up and how he was infected with this version of you know a super soldier drug, if you will. And it has a limited lifespan as Volga uh, Volga, the guy behind it, explains his current soldiers have about a one year lifespan and they kind of put it off to the side, but that's including Marrow. <laughs> so we're going to have to figure something out with her uh, along with Cable coming up. But Cable had a much earlier version of it where the soldiers only lived for a day. And like, it's interesting when you think about it from like a, a warrior perspective of you have this incredibly powerful weapon that's going to die in a day. On one hand, okay, that's great because you have no risk of that weapon being turned on you. On the other hand, it's great for Volga because, as he said, it's repeat business. <laughs> it's a really bizarre yet accurate way of looking at what he does. So since Cable is basically has one day to live, he's put his body into stasis and is cloning himself on a daily basis. Now, there's a little weirdness here of if he's cloning himself, why doesn't he clone himself an entire left arm? But I'm willing to accept that because... Again, it's the way they build it up for over the course of, I think it was issue six where they finally revealed what was going on with him. But he was getting into all these close calls and doing crazy stuff and basically escaping at the last second or so we thought, no, he was just dying over and over again because if he's going to die at the end of the day anyway, he might as well go out with a bang. And just the whole thing that that lends the character and shows you how driven he is to go through this and uploading his memories to a new body every day, it's absolutely crazy. It's the twist that the character needed to make him interesting at this point. Mm-hmm. And because he's always been that driven, no nonsense character for no reason. And this gives him a reason. Yeah. Well, not just the gives him a reason, but I like 
what it means for the interactions with between him and the team. I mean, the the scenes with him and Psylocke were fantastic, and him explaining what quote unquote notes from the day he's passing forward so that he can retain it is is very much a memento thing of taking the snapshot and then making sure that you see it later on kind of thing. So I like that. And then of course, what's going on with Phantom X is just makes it awesome. Yeah. I'm not going to go too much into what happens in issue seven, because a lot of the developments through there uh, with meme and cable and Phantom X and Psylocke, I I really would suggest that it's some cool stuff. Trust me, go read it. But yeah, that issue seven, which was essentially like a standalone issue, basically in between two larger story arcs, Everything it does for the characters, all the characters, the entire cast in that one issue, it, that's when this title was really cemented for me. It was something I was enjoying to, okay, there's really something special going on here. And we really shouldn't expect anything less from Sizebury at this point. Yeah, that's true. Look at what he did with a throwaway character like Legion and made that comic fantastic for, what, 24 issues I think it lasted? Mm-hmm. So if he gets even close to 24 issues with this team, I will be ecstatic because I'm really excited to see what more he has planned for this group. We cannot finish this conversation without talking about what Psylocke does to Meryl, though. Go for it. The swearing. Yes. <laughs> oh, my freaking Lord. I, it's, it's not often that I will actually, that uncontrollable blurt of laughter and... When she's had it with the swearing and changes, makes her change and fumble a whole bunch of different words. And then the team's reaction as she's coming out with these absolutely ridiculous things that, that are may quite be the clear. first time in 20 years Cable has smiled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when... <laughs> You, it's funny because you're you're reading it, and when they they break out laughing, you're thinking, okay, this is a serious mission. Would they actually? Would they? But then you're reading, it and you're going, yeah, I kind of would. I <laughs> have I got monkey biscuits on my face or something. <laughs> and what like what got me about that gag is it was just thrown in so casually, like yeah. you know, Psylocke mentioned stop swearing. And then all of a sudden the next page, she's like going through all this gibberish, and it doesn't hit you for a yeah. little bit, at least for me. And I was like, wait a minute. Why is she saying all this goofiness? And then, like, you see that little smirk on Psylocke's face, and it all comes together. And Yeah. So not only is it great drama, there are some absolutely brilliant bits of comedy in here to break it up, and it's absolutely what the comic needs. And I didn't think that Spurrier had that in him. Because, I mean, when you, you look at what he did with the Legion and all that, there's, there's sarcastic bits in there for sure, which fit with, with the character of mm-hmm. Legion. But nothing like... Like this type of comedy. And again, I keep going back to comedy is hard to write well. It's fantastic. I, I, I love it. The only, again, the only thing I, I thought was he's taking Phantom X a little bit too far with that. But that's just a personal thing. Mm-hmm. But altogether, an absolutely great comic that, again, we're recommending everybody oh, yeah. should check it out yeah. because it's exactly what I love. You take a couple well-known characters, throw in a whole bunch of people characters that haven't been seen in a while a lot of people might not know and you just tell a great story with them and it's working here very well so into what we're reading i finally finished off original sin came out last week i will fully admit for me even the story really ran out of steam like it ended pretty much exactly how i figured it was going to end five issues ago 
That said, I'm interested in seeing what Marvel is going to do with this, you know, with what they've done with Nick Fury. Like, I actually like those last couple pages with Fury. That was pretty cool. And you have to love the Thor bits. Well, oh, yeah, with him not being able to <laughs> love the hammer. <laughs> that was awesome. I, I'm wondering if that's what they're tying in with the whole him being unworthy, because how hilarious would it be? That's not this huge storyline or whatnot. It's just something Nick Fury whispered in his ear and he's stuck on the moon. <laughs> like, it's such a goofy gag. And I know a lot of people probably hated it. And at the same time, I'm going, Roger's probably laughing at this. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, though, in all honesty, when we talked about this just the other day, I thought this was terrible. I, I thought this was absolutely terrible. Terrible. Predictable. Bad. Cheesy. It was just, I, I had no use for it at all. There was, there was no enjoyment at all. Fair enough. Yeah. Aside from that, I've uh, been looking back into some of the DC stuff I missed. I caught up on Earth 2. Uh, Tom Taylor has done a great job writing that series, what he's done with those characters and especially what he's done with this new Superman character, not the not the evil Superman that's taking over for Darkseid. Tom Taylor is showing that he actually knows how to write a good heroic Superman as well with this new character. His name escapes me at the moment, but he's uh, another Kryptonian that they they find and takes over the mantle of Superman. At the be- the highest praise I can give it is that it's made me interested in a Superman character. In addition to that, the stuff that, uh, you know, his, the way Lo- he dealt with uh, Lois and being the Red Tornado and a lot of stuff, it's of the few DC comics I'm reading. It's definitely one of the highlights for me. Yeah. And then I haven't caught up on Batman Eternal, but I've looked at it. <laughs> it's a weekly series and they're up to like, 23, I think, comes out this week. So I'm, I'm not going to pour through all the issues. And I'm this is more of a personal thing. I'm kind of disappointed because the way I thought the series was going to play out being a weekly series was just, OK, you know, have a couple of Batwoman issues, a couple of Batgirl issues. Instead, it's just been thus far 22 issues of one giant overarching storyline that's bouncing around with a whole bunch of smaller storylines interspersed, kind of what they did with uh, 52 where, you know, it's it's completely separate storylines that might not even have anything to do with each other into one story. But at least 52, you knew there was an end point. So with some of this, I'm like, OK, you know, I'm kind of interested in seeing what they're doing with the whole Jim Gordon trial and all that stuff. But at the same time, I'm looking and I'm like, OK, half this issue is dealing with Batwing, you know, under Arkham Asylum. And I'm like, I really don't care about that. Like. If if you're going to get me to read a weekly Batman series, personally, since there's already so much Batman out there, I'd rather pick and choose which Batman-related stories I'd like to read instead of just having everything kind of mandatory, if you will. Because I'm perfectly honest, I really don't care about half the characters. <laughs> and that's all I got this week. Well, sticking with Batman, I read the Detective Comics, the, the new 52 Futures and number one. Just to pause for a second. Personally, I find it hilarious that I'm, I don't want to say coming back, but giving DC a chance right as they're doing another one of these stupid gimmick months. Because Zero Month and Villains Month both taught me that if you're reading a DC comic in September, I'm probably not going to be interested in it. But carry on. You were talking about the the switching artists on X-Force. For this issue, which is a regular size issue, we've got 
Scott Hepburn, who does the art for pages 1 to 6, as well as 8 to 11. <laughs> Cliff Richards, who does the art for pages 12 to 20. Fabrizio Fiorentino, who does the art for page 7. And then we got colors by Brian Bucalato, whatever, pages 1 to 11. Colors by Lee Lawridge, whatever, pages 12 to 20. Yeah. So this is supposed to be a consistent look throughout with that many people working on the... It looked like it was a cut and paste (laughs) from a whole bunch of different artists just put in. This wasn't even one of those like flashing back and forward between different settings. This there was just a some, sequential comic. Th- there was a few little flashbacks, but not too much. It's just all over the friggin' map. And it's like, oh my God. So, and and the actual Batman stuff is, is only so long. And then after that, there's a little, oh no, it is till the end. It's, it's, he's teaming up for, with Riddler and, and it's nothing spectacular at all. I got to tell you. I, I it was nothing <laughs> spectacular at all. I, this is supposed to be a big event thing, New number one, and it was like, pfft. okay, whatever. So, since I have no interest in it, have you even bothered looking at the uh, the Futures End Weekly series that they've been putting? Oh out? no, 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 I'm not bothering with okay. all of that. No. I, I I read a couple of reviews of the first issue and went, nope, and that was the end of that. Yeah. Um, Uncanny X Men is still going on with the um, Last Will and Testament of Xavier. And now mm-hmm. Scott's there kind of thing. Um, the, well, obviously the, the art was by Bacallo. So it was freaking amazing. <laughs> God, just amazing artwork throughout. Like when you're seeing him, Xavier, I should say, sorry, uh, talking with uh, a powerful kid mutant, when he's recalling something from his past and just the way that the panels are laid out and it's, it's kind of when, when there's a lot of action and it's, it's jarring. It's like, it looks as like a piece of glass that was dropped and broken kind of thing. And then the pieces just align to where they should be. That guy's too good. It's just fantastic. The story itself was interesting because you've got, So many, I don't want to say warring factions, but so many interpersonal things going on between all of these characters now. Obviously with Scott there, that creates a a whole other level of tension with everyone. Um, But I mean, there's some of the tension, well, it escalates beyond that between Scott and and Iceman there. Like, holy crap. I, I have to give Wolverine the line of the issue, though. Oh, that was... <laughs> I actually... He's just sitting there on the desk, and like, I'd like to point out I've been on very good behavior yeah. today. Yeah, I think I'm behaving quite well, and I'd like you... <laughs> that's one of you to acknowledge it. I actually took a screen cap of that. <laughs> that's like my motto. I need a tattoo that says that now. <laughs> um, overall, it's, again, one of those things where... I mean, Xavier did this kind of thing with Gene. And so they're making this big deal about it. Everything he ever did was a lie. And you're going, he did the same thing with Gene, putting up those psychic blocks and things like that. 
Well, I, I can see the difference because at least he continued to help Gene. He right. just kind of threw this kid away. Man. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's splitting hairs. But at the same time, I really liked this because it was completely 90 degrees off from anything I expected from this issue. Yeah. Like they just went and told this side story and they're like, okay, you know, have at it. Oh, by the way, there's still more of the will to read once you get back. Like it's just, it's a bizarre structure, but it keeps you guessing, which I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, Cyclops, number four. I still haven't read that. I have it. I haven't read it. it it's good, but it wasn't as good as the others. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this is where it's the father and son on the island kind of trying to make it go a bit as father and son and also figuring out how Scott's going to survive on his own kind of thing. But of course it has to resolve a little too quickly. In my opinion, they should have mm-hmm. stayed on the Island a little bit longer. I've heard that before. Um, did you read the uh, latest rocket raccoon? No, I I'm, still haven't read issue two. I'm terrible. I'm dude. I'm loving the series. I got to tell you, which is surprising. I mean, go and listen back to some of our prior episodes, folks, for my opinion of Rocket Raccoon. But <laughs> this has been fun as hell, and the art is, as you'd expect, spectacular throughout. Just insane fun. So, and yeah, I really, really like this issue a lot. What's funny is somebody on Tumblr, probably Bendis, had posted up some Scotty Young art of him doing like just regular comic characters, like a scene you would see anywhere else with adult characters. Like, I was like, oh, I forgot he can draw things that aren't little kids. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like the, the, the fight scenes in this with the hillbilly alien dudes. (laughs) This is hysterical. (laughs) All of the stuff with his buddy with the squid car. Freaking hysterical. <laughs> so, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm i really enjoying this a lot. Uh, last one. Did you read, you probably didn't, the first issue of The Death of Wolverine? As a matter of fact, I did. I was waiting for you to bring it up. What did you think? I loved the art. Oh, dude. <laughs> Freaking art was insane. Steve McNiven. I'll probably continue to read it just for the art. (laughs) Because aside from that, it's kind of your typical Wolverine story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. Yeah. Yeah. They made again, but I've been saying that throughout. They made such a big deal about this. They are making such a big deal about this. But every turn is nothing spectacular at all. At all. Since I haven't been keeping track, is this the first we're hearing about the fact that he's radioactive as well? Uh, I, I'm i not going to say I've been reading all of them. I've, I have read about the, the metal poisoning kind of thing. Right, yeah, but the, and they, they kind of hand-waved that away. Yeah, the radioactive thing that's, that's new to me. Because right, it, it just kind of struck me as a thing like, oh, let's put this in here to explain that he's going to die soon no matter what happens. Like, it... It, it was just out of left field. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't missing something. No, no. I mean, the, 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 Reed did make some good points that I thought made more sense without kind of retconning that in, like especially just the claws, popping mm-hmm. the claws in and out. You're, you're bringing in all kinds of 
bacteria, other people's blood, all kinds of things. Yeah, I doubt he keeps alcohol and cotton yeah, swabs exactly. around to wipe them down. <laughs> so that's something that makes sense. Because I'd thought about it in terms of like you keep splitting that spot open. That's not very healthy. You don't think you're also bringing in germs and mm-hmm. all manner of other things. And that's when you're like, ooh, okay, that makes sense. But the radio radiation, while it makes sense because, yeah, he was there during yeah. the bombing, is like, holy crap, you're pulling from the archives there, buddy. But yeah, those undead ninjas are not known for their uh, sanitary means. <laughs> and then when you're looking at the final screen, and again, here we have Creed chained up. Jesus, it was just last issue he was giving him a hard time and was knocked out why what i don't know yeah so yeah i was not impressed i gotta tell you not at all yeah if you are gonna make a big deal and if you actually are going to be killing this character off at least for a little while man i could think of so many other better ways to do it a a lot of this strikes me as something that was written a long time ago <laughs> because a lot of the, the stuff doesn't match up. Like you said, with Creed, also the fact that Rick Remender killed nuke like four months ago. <laughs> so I, I think this is a story that was written way back. Not to say way back, but early this year to give Steve McNiven enough time to do all the art because it's coming out weekly. I think because issue two is out this week. Right. So like a lot of, there's a lot of weird continuity stuff in here that I think is attributed to the fact that the story had a, big lead in time on the writing yeah. it doesn't change the fact that no no i it was i'm not disagreeing written. about the quality yeah but it also kind of has that weird out of place aspect as yeah. well it's too bad again i just keep thinking about it in terms of what somebody else could do with it to make it truly awesome yeah we know they'd come back but it would still be a hell of a ride and that ain't this yeah, you try and tell me Jason Aaron couldn't write the crap out of the story. There's a lot of people who could do a good job. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's a lot of people. Man, can you and imagine that's, that's what Cyberpunk could do writer. with this? He's written some great comics. This ain't one of them. This is no. This is not one of his better efforts. Again, especially as of late, because we've seen some incredible writing from different people. And again, like I just said, could you imagine something done by Cyberpunk? I, it, it would probably. I don't be think amazing. I can. Oh man! <laughs> so yeah, yeah I, I'm just so disappointed. Yeah, great art though. Oh yeah, that's it for me. All right then, for this week's new releases, uh, at least what we're most looking forward to, because it's a, again a pretty big week from some companies. Marvel is bringing us Amazing Spider-Man number six, Captain Marvel number seven, Death Wolverine number two. We have our first Edge of Spider Verse number one. Oh. This issue is an entire Spider-Man noir story. We have Hawkeye number 20. I'm actually quietly clapping my hands together. <laughs> it's like, yay! <laughs> anyway, I forget Hawkeye I'm an number adult. 20, Magneto number 9, Miss Marvel number 8, Powers Bureau number 11, and X-Force number 9. From DC, we're continuing week two of Future's End, but we also have Batman Eternal number 23 and Injustice Year 2 number 11. Image brings us East of West number 15, Invincible number 114, Lazarus number 11, and Velvet number 7. From Dark Horse, something that actually is really on my radar, I'm really wondering how they're going to make this work, Prometheus Fire and Stone number one. This is the first of four 
separate miniseries. You have Prometheus, you have Aliens, you have Alien versus Predator, and then Predator, all being published as one giant storyline crossing over and actually connected to and tying in with the movies. Wow. Really interested in seeing what they're doing there because they, they have some pretty big talent on these as well. Hmm. IDW brings us Rotten Ruin number one, the uh, adaptation Ooh. of the Jonathan Mayberry novel. I didn't hear from, about that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Who, did, that was a did, great book. Did uh, Mayberry write it? I don't know if you he wrote the comic so. or if it was adapted. I didn't look that part up. And from Oni, we have The Bunker, number six, and then from Valiant, Archer, and Armstrong, number 24. So a lot of stuff out there from a lot of companies. If you like anything, there's probably something out there for you this week. So that's going to wrap us up here so we can go play some video games. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. So until next week, if Roger can stop playing I PlayStation will be on time, shut up. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>